You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, still in the free agent period for your New Orleans Pelicans. But we've got some updates, including Zion Williamson officially signing his contract with the team. You are going to see him in Summer League on Friday. We'll be talking about Summer League later in the week, but we're still sticking with free agency here. I said we're going to look at why the Pelicans were not looking to sign guys to four-year deals. We're looking now a little bit longer term into the future for this Pels team and what their strategy is. We'll dive into that. We'll get some updates on Julius Randle, Alfred Payton, and then just kind of dive in overall to free agency because it was a wild day for those first couple hours on Sunday as deals got done. So more free agency talk in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So before we get to Zion Williamson signing his contract, what that's going to be worth and why the Pelicans are on the clock, but not really on the clock, not in a way of losing Zion Williamson, but in a way of making moves to maximize the team around him and win an NBA title here. If you're a new listener, thanks for tuning in. If you've been with me since the beginning, appreciate you sticking through some really rough Pelican seasons. It is a lot of fun right now. I know you're excited. The Locked On Pelicans podcast here with you Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you need to know. If there's breaking news, we are covering it either immediately after with an emergency podcast or or the next day. Best way to keep up to date with all things going on in New Orleans Pelicans is the podcast right here. So the Pelicans made it official yesterday. Zion Williamson signed his rookie contract. Cool. He's not going back to Duke. He's not going to try and force his way to another team. He is here in New Orleans for the foreseeable future and doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So what is that worth? And know that it doesn't really affect the Pelicans' salary cap. I'll touch on what they, where they stand after everything coming up maybe in the next segment here. But I want to focus a little bit on his rookie contract. So the way it works in the NBA is you sign these guys to a rookie uh, wage scale. Basically, the amount that they make is predetermined every single year. You can sign a guy to as little as 80% of it or up to 120% of what kind of the slotted number is. You get them for two years and then you have team options for for the third and fourth year that you need to exercise that like September or October before the season starts. Basically, it means Zion's going to be here for four years. After that, he becomes a restricted free agent where the Pelicans can offer him a max five-year deal or another team can try and offer him a four-year deal. And if they do, the Pelicans are allowed to just match that contract and he has to stay here in New Orleans. So basically, it gives you something like eight years of team control before maybe the player starts to realize that they have a lot of value and some agency and and can try and force a trade a la Anthony Davis. That's why he did so in his seventh year, I think, or eighth year, I can't remember now, whatever it was. So that's kind of the situation that we're looking at with Zion Williamson. So his contract, what the rookie wage scale is for the first overall pick in this draft, 
$8,131,200. So basically $8.13 million. But the Pelicans obviously are going to sign him to the 120% of that. You don't want to try and lowball him here. Basically meaning he gets 120% of the $8.131 million, bringing him up to $9,757,440 for his four-year, uh, sorry, for his first year. He'll get more than that the second year, and then the third and fourth year are basically going to be those team options that of course the Pelicans will pick up no need to worry about that so Zion signed for what's going to be pretty cheap in all honesty this is tremendous value this is why draft picks are valued assets throughout the league because you get these guys who usually outperform that and because they are arbitrarily it's set by the salary cap in the CBA held to a lower number than they could make if they didn't have that well you get basically cheap labor and with a salary cap, getting guys below what their market value is is really important, particularly if they outplay that contract, which Zion Williamson almost assuredly will. It means that you have a lot of more, you have more cap space to build around them than you do when they're making, you know, 20 to 30, now 40 and 50 million dollars or what some of these contracts are going up to. So this is partially why the Pelicans did not want to sign, say, a guy like Al Horford to a four year contract. Because the last time you're going to have cap space is in Zion Williamson's third year in the NBA, the summer before he starts that third year. Because after his fourth year in the NBA, he or sorry, it's the summer before he starts the fourth year, really. Um, so after the third year, because when he finishes his fourth year in the NBA, he will already have a max extension, hopefully likely in place with New Orleans, meaning his cap is going to jump from, say, 15 million to something like at the time will probably be close to 40 million dollars a season. That's a significant difference. You're going to lose that cap space if that's the route this ends up going. So by signing someone to a four year deal, they start they their contract expires right when his extension kicks in. You don't have any cap room, basically. That guy expires. Zion takes up, basically, the expiring contract with the new one that he has kicking in. So you need him to, or you need to have cap space in between his third and fourth years in the league. And that's why the Pelicans were looking at two, three-year deals, basically, at the most for players. That's why they managed to bring over Nicolo Melli for a two-year guaranteed contract. J.J. Redick signed for a two-year deal as well. And Derek Favors is just one year. And we're going to see how Derek Favors does and if they offer him a contract after that, but don't expect it to necessarily be a three-year deal because they want to have cap space before his extension is going to kick in. So that summer, before he enters his fourth year, that... Uh, before he starts the fourth year, I guess, they have a ton of cap room. You can go sign a big name free agent. And then when Zion's extension kicks in, well, cool, you already got your guy the year before. Now you're over the cap. It's fine. You don't need to worry about it. You made your moves the year before that extension kicks in. So that's going to be the real big thing here. And this will probably influence them on the trade market. It might influence this team also um, in subsequent free agent years. Next year, they're probably going to be looking at one or two year deals as well, no three-year deals. And then after that, kind of depending on where things go, that's maybe when they look to do a longer-term deal or keep it short as well. So that's why you saw them maybe shy away from a guy like Al Horford, though it doesn't sound like they were really ever in that mix. And they had eyes on J.J. Redick from the start, signing him minutes after free agency opened. But four-year deals were not on the table for anyone with New Orleans because they need to keep that salary cap flexibility and have some cap room in the third 
year, between the third and fourth year of Zion Williamson so that you can go sign a big free agent then. That's the summer. That's the offseason when we're going to likely see them make some moves. So you might have been excited about Al Horford, but not at four years. If it stops you from making future free agent moves, you definitely don't want that. So this is why you see J.J. Redick on a two-year deal, Nicolo Melli on a two-year deal, and them trading for a guy who's got one year remaining. And this is likely how it's going to be going forward. Then things get a little bit complicated in the next year with a restricted free agent in Brandon Ingram. Then the year after that in Lonzo Ball. We'll cross those bridges when we get there. The Pelicans will likely still have cap space during that time too, so it shouldn't be the biggest deal. But this is why no four-year deals and how they're planning for both the short-term and the long-term. It's not easy to kind of straddle that line between short-sighted moves and also just thinking about the future. We're going to talk about the Knicks in the third segment. They did not do this well. The Pelicans did an unbelievable job of this. You addressed immediate needs with J.J. Redick, with Nicolo Melli, with Derek Favors, while also maintaining future flexibility. This is an unbelievable job by David Griffin. There's a reason basically everyone is waxing poetic about him right now, and it's because he's just done really good. They're going to be a good team team next year. I don't know about a playoff team just yet, but they're going to be good. It's as simple as that. And they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And they shouldn't necessarily be that based on how you would normally build the team. But the Pelicans are in a unique situation. They have a very good front office and it's allowed them to kind of end up in the situation that they are. So good job to address the immediate needs while keeping the future flexibility open. This Pelicans front office getting an A so far during this offseason. So I'll give you an update on the Pelicans' salary cap situation in the next segment. We'll also look at more of free agency as it is still an ongoing process for the Pelicans and around the league. But before I do that, please subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Again, whether you're a new listener or you've been with me for a while, it is a fun time to be following this team. You want to keep up to date with everything. The best way to do that, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. Also, please leave a five-star review. It doesn't take more than a moment or two and this comes to you free in five days a week and it is a lot of fun to be a Pels fan so let's make sure the podcast has some high vis- visibility over there on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast from so hit that sub- subscribe button leave a five-star review for the Locked On Pelicans podcast. All right so after their moves yesterday where do the Pelicans stand in relation to the salary cap? Well It's pretty much all used up. They had about $32 million going into Sunday's free agency. Before that even started, they announced the signing of Nicolo Melli coming over from Europe. Two-year deal, about $4 million or so. He's going to slide right on into the room exception, which doesn't actually take away from their salary salary cap space for the most part. So they used about $12.275 million of the money this year on a guy in J.J. Redick to be that sharpshooter, the veteran presence that they wanted to add. And then they used pretty much the remainder of it. After that deal, they had about $18 million or so remaining. And then they traded for Derek Favors, who's going to cost about $17.6 million next year, basically leaving the Pelicans under $2 million in cap room. Not that they necessarily wanted to use that anyway, because they stand right now at 15 guys on the roster. We just got the Summer League rosters out. We'll talk 
talk about those probably later in the week um, as we gear up for the 4th of July weekend and the start of Summer League, which is a very exciting time here. But with 15 people on the roster, you only have maybe two or three got two guys that are on unguaranteed contracts in Kenrich Williams in Christian Wood. So those are the guys that would most likely be cut from the team. And maybe they don't want to eat that money or maybe they just really like those two players and they don't feel the need to add anyone else. You know, maybe it would be another veteran presence. A guy like Jared Dudley, who still has a three-point shot, is a good enough defender and is clearly a person who relishes that mentor role, helping to do that with the Brooklyn Nets and taking him to the playoffs the past year. But it would require a cut that can make things a little bit tricky with roster spots. So as of right now, it's likely that the roster stands as is, and the Pelicans are more or less done with free agency, having brought in a number of guys, whether it's through the draft or in the Anthony Davis trade. So not much more money to spend, really only on veteran minimum guys. They could do that, but it requires cutting someone. We'll see if they actually do. This means that their other free agents are likely not going to be coming back whatsoever. We haven't heard any news on Ian Clark or a guy like Darius Miller, but obviously not coming back, not that you'd necessarily want to bring either of them back. Certainly not Ian Clark. You could make an argument for Darius Miller, but I think the two big names that people were curious about were going to be Julius Randle and Alfred Payton. And they've both signed with other team, with another team because they're on the same team now, and that team is the New York Knicks. It was announced on Sunday that Julius Randle signed a three-year, $63 million deal, 21 a year, with the New York Knicks. You know what? It's actually not horrible. This is a guy who can get you points, rebounds, and puts up some really good counting stats. Defensively, he's a bit of a wreck. He can wreck your offense, too, with the ISO-heavy style of ball. But the Knicks missed out on everybody, and we're going to kind of talk about this in the next segment here about maybe better ways they could have used their cap space and how it could have applied to New Orleans, but New Orleans is going a different direction with all of that. So $63 million over three years for Julius Randle to the New York Knicks. Definitely not how I think anyone kind of necessarily expected that to go, but at that price, he was not coming back to New Orleans. I don't even think it was a realistic possibility that he was going to be coming back to New Orleans, despite the fact that the coaching staff really does like him. The other guy that Pelicans fans were wondering about, could they bring him back, was going to be Alfred Payton, but he ended up signing a two-year, $16 million deal with the New York Knicks as well. Good for him to go and get paid. Good for both of these guys to go and get paid. Julius Randle was an unrestricted free agent last year after really being a restricted free agent to start. Ended up signing for very little, $8.6 million more or less, with the Pelicans last year on a one-year prove-it deal. He went out and got paid. His first real big NBA payday. Alfred Payton kind of rehabbed his career enough here in New Orleans. Orleans, playing on that $3.2 million deal to go out and get eight a year over two years. Good for these guys for going and earning the bag and getting some money. I'm happy to see that they've done well enough from their time in New Orleans to go be free agents that you want to sign elsewhere. That just makes New Orleans look better, but neither of them going to be coming back. Um, and best of luck to both of those guys. Seems like the Pelicans are done in free agency. Now, you know, that means they could tool around the edges of the roster, though David Griffin said everyone they brought in, they brought in to keep, not necessarily to flip later on. But he also said no one's untouchable. 
or there's very few untouchables. I think Drew Holiday and Zion Williamson are untouchable. But overall, they're likely probably going to be done barring someone like Bradley Beal somehow becoming available for things they have, which we don't know if it's going to be the case, and it's likely not. So Pelicans in free agency, no more cap room, pretty much done with 15 roster spots all taken up. I think you're looking at the core team for next year. Now we go into summer league, time to kind of put some things together, figure it all out. We've got plenty of months to discuss the rotation. We've got months to discuss who starts, J.J. Redick or Brandon Ingram. Got a lot of thoughts on that. We'll save it for another date, though. So no more big news dropping for New Orleans in free agency, though there's some other things outstanding that still need to get done around the league. So before we talk some more about free agency and look at one of the ways the Pelicans could have gone, a way that the Knicks decided not to go, that they probably should have gone, I do want to say, let your friends know about Locked On Pelicans. There's been just such an outpouring of passion for this Pelicans team. People excited about them. Clue them into the podcast. Keep them up to date with everything going on. There's nothing worse than having a friend who wants to talk basketball with you that has no idea what they're talking about. You've got one of those friends. I have multiple of those friends, despite my best attempts at uh, getting them excited otherwise and letting them know what's going on. Clue them into Locked On Pals. Get them tuned in with us daily here, Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this team, whether it's breaking news in an emergency podcast or reacting to it the next day. We've got it covered here like no one else is doing. So please get your friends to listen to Locked On Pelicans and subscribe to the podcast. We're about to dive into a different way the Pelicans could have used their cap space. One we did talk about on the podcast, and they went a different direction, which clearly has worked out as we're all raving about the free agent signings. But before we do that, I'm going to give you guys a big uh, bit of a programming note here. Likely no podcast on Friday. I'll probably record a Locked on Pelicans Thursday, or Wednesday night. That'll be up there on the 4th of July on Thursday, and then probably just take a bit of a break that Thursday and Friday, not record anything. So Thursday will be the last day we have a podcast if you want to listen to it on fourth of july awesome if you want to wait till friday to listen to it totally cool too i know many people are back in the office that day but likely not going to record a podcast thursday night during fourth of july unless something crazy happens and we've got to do an emergency podcast just to give you guys the programming note of how things are going to go the rest of this week we'll probably be looking at summer league that day what we expect to see what we want to see looking at some of the guys on the roster does anyone have a chance to make the team covering everything you need to know to get ready for the Pelicans primetime game against the New York Knicks that Friday night on the 5th. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you listen to that episode and then we'll probably be done for the week. Cap space. So the Pelicans decided to use it, signing J.J. Redick, trading for Derek Favors, and then signing Niccolo Melli with the room exception, which we don't need to get into all of that. Now, the other way we talked about using cap space was that the Pelicans could have taken on salary dumps and bad contracts and help other teams more or less rent their cap space with first round picks. And we've seen this happen at least twice now that I can think of off the top of my head, this free agent period. In the deal that sends Jimmy Butler to the Miami Heat, the Heat are sending out uh, salary and other things and basically letting the Clippers take on a player and sending a first-round pick that direction to the Clippers to just be able to sign Jimmy Butler. The Warriors, when things went freaking bonkers the other night and there ended up getting uh, D'Angelo Russell in a signing trade, had to trade away Andre Iguodala and his salary along with a future first that's very lightly protected and likely going to convey to the Memphis Grizzlies just to get off of his books. 
there is a high price being paid just to dump salary right now around the league, more so than I think we were expecting. And it makes you wonder, what would a guy like Steven Adams go for? What would a guy like Danilo Gallinari potentially go for now, though? I don't know if the Clippers are actually looking to do that or some of these other salary dumps that we're seeing out there. And the Pelicans decided they wanted to be competitive next year, use their cap space on players that they think fit, help the culture out there, and then are going to help out there out the, on the court. So totally cool. It's one way to go. But then you have the Knicks, who have missed out on everybody in free agency. They did not get Kevin Durant. Hell, they didn't even offer Kevin Durant a deal, which is just the Knicks. That's all I'm going to say. This is after Dolan in March was saying, yeah, we're going to be a free agent destination. People have been communicating this to us. They want to sign there. We're going to have a really good free agency period. They traded away Porzingis to clear space just to be able to sign two max guys, and they did not get even one max guy. So, okay. Not not a great situation if you're the Knicks. Kyrie Irving, Durant, of course, in Brooklyn, and now they're overshadowing the Knicks, the vaunted Knicks. So they don't get anybody. They're still rebuilding and they don't really have much of a roster. And instead of just signing a couple of guys, maybe overpaying on one-year deals, they go and sign a guy like Julius Randles we just talked about for a three-year contract, $21 million a season. And they also signed Alfred Payton for a two-year deal, 18, or $16 million total, 80 year. The second is a player option. They also signed a number of other guys to two-year deals. Most of them have team options in the second year. So the, so the Knicks could clear uh, cap space to make a run at a max guy, maybe two max guys potentially next season if they really wanted to the thing is next season the free agent class isn't great there's no one you really want to go and chase after so you're likely clearing space two years from now two years before you're really going to be a player in free agency again that's not great just to sign guys that you know will come off your books in two years. And instead, the Knicks should have kept that cap space open, signed, and then traded for guys that are only have two years left on their deals for teams who needed to move some money and then gotten those future first-round picks that way. These contracts they've signed and the, all the guys they brought in, Todd Gibson being one of them, um, some other guys too, just makes no sense whatsoever. If you were going to do this, don't use all your cap space and use it to take on some bad deals. Get those first round picks because there were some pretty good first round picks being thrown out to get teams to take on all of that more or less dead money. I have no idea what the Knicks were doing with this. It's kind of weird to see. Some other things just from free agency, some thoughts off the top of my head here. The Milwaukee Bucks in an interesting situation. Nikola Mirotic went back to Barcelona to play, isn't going to be with them next year. That team got expensive quickly. Malika Andrews of ESPN wrote that article like moments after, or published that article, moments after they got knocked out of the playoffs being like the future of Fergianis is really coming into play. This Milwaukee team's got to convince him to resign, but the team that they need to convince him to resign to is freaking expensive. And it's kind of testing a, whether a small market team can really compete and really succeed. And that team got expensive quickly. They ended up re-signing Chris Middleton, bringing back Brooke Lopez, but they let a guy in Malcolm Brogdon walk. Brogdon is a 40% three-point shooter, 90% from the free throw line, 50% from the field. That 50-90-40, 50-40-90, whatever you want to do with it, is a really tough mark to attain. This guy is a 
good scorer, a good guard, can defend multiple positions. Letting him walk to the Indiana Pacers, I don't know if that was the smartest move, but I'm also not sure that they really could have afforded to bring him back. And now they look worse than they did last season, putting that focus on Giannis's future into play. If, he, if it's going to take winning a title there to keep him, they hurt their chances at that. Now, maybe it doesn't. I'm not sure. But it's interesting to see a small market team whose team gets expensive kind of buckle under the pressure a little bit. Also, the Warriors with the sign-in trade for D'Angelo Russell, you just got to get talent and it makes a lot of sense on why they would bring him in. And if they were losing Kevin Durant and you know Clay Thompson's not going to play next year because of the um, knee, well, then it makes a lot of sense just to get something. And they're so far over the cap, they can't do that. I don't know if D'Angelo Russell was the guy necessarily, but what else are they supposed to do? And I'm not really sure. I do question the fit there. He's a ball-dominant guard. You still have uh, Steph Curry, who kind of does best with the ball in his hands too. So I'm not entirely sure how this is going to go. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, what happens there in the Western Conference now with them really kind of taking a step back. And then the Utah Jazz coming up. They traded for Mike Conley. They made some very solid moves signing Bogdanovich from the Indiana Pacers, signing Ed Davis. That team looks pretty good overall, and they might be one of the top three teams in the Western Conference. And then another one kind of making interesting moves that I don't know if it's good or not. That's the Portland Trailblazers making a move, getting in with the uh, Miami Heat and Hassan Whiteside heading up to Portland. They're losing Mo Harkless in this one and someone else who I can't remember off the top of my head. It doesn't matter. That's an interesting move. That's a team that made a run to the Western Conference Finals, played somewhat tough against the Golden State Warriors, I think, is safe to say, but you never really thought they were going to win that. You never thought they were going to get into the NBA finals. And yeah, you know, they seem like they've kind of maxed out. They weren't going to go any further. So why not do a move or make a move just to do something to try and shake it up, to try and mix it up. So I like the attempt by them. Yusuf Nurkic, who's very key for them down low, is not going to be ready to start the year. It sounds like you have a big center. I'm not a white side fan, even remotely wanted no part of this guy, even on a one year expiring deal you would have needed to give me like I don't know 10 future first round picks to take him on just for one year it's probably being overly dramatic but not that far off is how much I dislike him as a player locker room presence the stats he has and all of that stuff but they needed to do something and this helps them probably get off to a bit of a better start than they would have had Nurkic been uh, while Nurkic is out to start the year so it was a wild day New Orleans was very smart about how they went about signing guys and not necessarily waiting to take on salary dumps again this is really straddling the line between being smart in the short term and being smart in the long term something that's not easy to do in the NBA, but New Orleans did it really well and just, yeah, wild day in the NBA Sunday and Monday, and we're still waiting as of the time I record this on what Kawhi Leonard is going to end up doing. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. If you're a new listener, thank you for tuning in. If you're a regular listener, man, you guys made it. It is good times ahead for your New Orleans Pelicans. A lot of fun covering the team and just being around all of this. Live it up because it's not always been like this and you guys definitely, definitely deserve it. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and as always, I'll be back with you all tomorrow.